Living by faith does not mean living free and exempt of trouble. We know that, but sometimes we forget that. And I feel like that's where I was. I felt as if God was asking me to live out my faith like I had never lived it out before. And I had lived out my faith. I lived out my faith. But I think He was taking me to a place I've never been. I know it is. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And today we are bringing you Lisa Mahan's story from Katy, Texas. And before Katie, right next to me, starts talking <laughs> about her story, I need to tell you that the sweetness of her voice oh, and yes. this story will draw you in immediately. Yes. And her wisdom. She's just so wise. I would love to just sit at her feet and listen to her teach to me all day mm-hmm. long. Her story is about her journey with COVID, but more than that, it is really about the importance of just storing God's word in your heart. I got so much out of her story and loved it. And before Lisa's story, we do want to remind you about our great news that this summer in August, we will be releasing our second Bible study in our When God Shows Up series, Discovering God and Stories of Freedom. And that will be available in just a few weeks in the month of August. So be the first to find out when it's released. You can go to storytellerslive.org right now and make sure that you are signed up on our email list so that you are the first to know when it's released. Here's Lisa. Thank you so much for asking me. And when Heffel called and asked, I um, I said, has anybody talked about COVID? Because I don't want to overlap. And she said, no, nobody has. So I'm going to talk to you about my journey um, and my experience with COVID. And that's what I want to share. But I'm super tender about it. And the reason is, well, I mean, I may cry. I'll just warn you for that. But the reason I'm super tender is that I know that and you may have experienced it with a family member or a close friend. So many people had a similar experience, and their families prayed the same prayers, and God answered them differently. And I am here to tell you, I do not understand that. And I just heard recently uh, about a friend who passed away, and my tendency is to question, Lord, why? Why would you save me and not him? But at the end of the day, what I do know Oh, you're so sweet. What I do know is that even though I don't understand that I trust in a perfect God, I move on. But I'm super tender about that, so I just never want it to come across as insensitive or that I'm not going to tell you, here are the steps to keep from having a bad experience with COVID. I am telling you my experience. And I just always want to be careful about that. Hebrews 10.38, and I'm going to reference this a lot, says the righteous shall live by faith. And then in Hebrews 11.1, 1, defines that a little bit further. It says, now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. So those are great definitions for faith that we can all draw from. But just a few months ago, I was facing the fight of my life like I had never faced it before. And not only was I fighting up the fight of my life, it was the fight for my life. And I was absolutely unprepared in terms of thinking that was going to happen that way. On August 21st, which was a Saturday, I had a little cough and I thought, hmm, I should test and make sure. And I had some tests at home. So I took a test and it was positive immediately. So I was like, oh my goodness, hoping for a false positive, but no, it was not. 
So I did all the things that you would do. I called the people I had been around in the last few days and uh, let my work know that I wouldn't be there and I found out the protocol for the church that the church was observing and, and uh, settled in. And I didn't feel bad. We had just put in new wood floors and so, you know, to do that, you've got to move every little bit of furniture off. And uh, so my son and son-in-law had come and helped us move it back but my job then was to get all the stuff that had been in it back in, and it was everywhere. So that's what I spent the week doing. I mean, it was not, was not a bad week. I have a little annoying cough, but when I get tired, I take a little snooze, and really what a big deal. And I was just thinking, this is going to be a piece of cake. But the next Saturday, August 28th, I found myself in the back of an ambulance being rushed to the hospital, and when I arrived there, I had double pneumonia, and I was in a really rough, rough spot. And I spent the next 22 days there. I have never in my life been so sick. And it turned on a dime. It was this, this strangest thing. It just turned on a dime. And I've never been so weak. I could hardly walk. I've, uh, in fact, I was too weak to walk and was a fall risk. So that just added a whole new layer of complications in the hospital. So weak, I couldn't even hold my phone. That was weird. You just don't think how many times we grab our phones, how many times a day to answer it or even to just check in on somebody or check an email or whatever. It's our text. I could not even pick up my phone. And uh, absolutely 100% isolated from all of my family. <clears throat> I was not allowed to have any visitors the entire time I was there. Nine of the 22 days I was in ICU. And to say that I was scared is an understatement. I was so scared and so alone, just so alone. And um, my husband also, three days behind me, got COVID. And he was very sick, just not quite as sick as me, so didn't have to be hospitalized, but sick enough that our daughter ended up moving in for 10 days and taking care of him because I was in the hospital. So it was just a rough time with the maintenance household. But I want to tell you a funny story and how God used it to minister to me in that moment because I was very scared. So you know how blood pressure cuff works and you know they put it on and it tightens up and lets you know what your blood pressure is. Well, they take your vitals every three hours around the clock, every three hours. And so I was accustomed to that. But when they moved me to ICU, um, all of a sudden all that's automated. And uh, I was so afraid to be moved to ICU and just what that meant and what might happen next. And so I cried the whole day. They said, we're going to move you to ICU, and, but we're just waiting for a bed to become available. Well, of course, I was like, that means somebody's going to die so that I can go up there. And I was just so upset. Cried the entire day. Finally got moved up there. It was about 7, 7 o'clock in the evening. I got moved in. Or they, you know, transferred me, moved me, got me hooked up to everything. They put a blood pressure cuff on me that was attached to the wall. So everything, you know, I see you, everything's automated. And so finally about 8, 8.30, I was all in, all settled. And they said, okay, well, uh, we're going to step out now. And do you want the lights on? And I said, no, just turn the lights off. I just wanted to cry in the dark by myself. Of course, it was not dark. The whole side of my wall was windows, but, you know, they were looking in, of course. But anyway, I began to pray. 
I knew I needed to just pray. And I started off, Lord, forgive me for being so afraid. I just, I've never experienced this. I don't know how to do this. And I just really need, I need something that lets me know you're here with me. I need to be aware of your presence, Lord. And I just cried out to God. And then I really felt a peace come upon me. And so then I began to just pray for my family, pray for my friends, pray for other people that I knew that were suffering, and just begin to pray. And then, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I began to relax, and when that happened, I got sleepy. And so my prayer for God to, you know, Jesus, I just need to know you're here with me. I would interject that between every little prayer, and don't forget, I really need to know you're here with me. And so finally, in all of this, it had been a long, hard day, I, I dozed off. You know that little place where you're, it feels so good because you know you're headed for some good sleep, but you're not quite there yet? Well, I'm there, and I feel this little, this little squeeze on my arm. And I went, Jesus, is that, is that you? Is that you? And then I realized, because the blood pressure starts tightening, that because it was automated, it would give a little light squeeze, and then it would start. And I got so tickled at myself <laughs> because, of course, the room, the side of the room that was all windows where people were looking in was, of course, the side that the blood the pressure cup was on. So I'm sure they saw me going, Jesus, is that you? <laughs> what, I didn't even care. Um, but I got tickled and I thought, oh, what a gift laughter is. I cried all day. But I said, Lord Jesus, forgive me for being so scared and forgive me for needing to know you're here when I know you're here. And so here's the thing. From now on, every time that goes off, that's going to be my reminder. However I'm feeling in that moment, that's going to be my reminder. So however often it went off, I was like, Jesus, I know it's you. I know it's you. And it got me through. So I needed desperately, though, to know and feel the presence of Christ. And I did. I did. Deuteronomy, I'm just going to share some verses with you that just ministered to me as I was there. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I needed that truth in that moment, that he had gone before me and I didn't need to be afraid or discouraged. So one day when I was in the hospital, the verse Luke 16, came to my mind. And you may know that. It says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so I just laid there and thought about it and just began to really think on it slowly. And for a long time, I had nothing better to do. I really meditate on those words and of course the first thing I felt like he was saying Lisa in me you will have peace not in doctors not in medication in me whether you're home or here it's in me and I needed that I needed to let go and just go Lord I know that it's you it's you and then the next phrase in the world you will have tribulation no surprise that I'm in a troubled spot here. He said, in the world, you will have, not might have, you will have tribulation, and 
you know, I was sharing with Heather when we met, this world isn't our home. And I think sometimes we forget that. And we live like this is it, but this isn't it. Because I feel like in that verse he was saying, ultimately someday you won't have tribulation. But in the world, while you're here passing through, you will. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And man, in that moment, I thought, if he's overcome the world, he's overcome COVID. He's overcome death. He's overcome cancer. He's overcome filling the blank, grief. He's overcome so many things that we think we can't overcome. But he has overcome it all in the world. You will have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Living by faith does not mean living free and exempt of trouble. We know that, but sometimes we forget that. And I feel like that's where I was. I felt as if God was asking me to live out my faith like I had never lived it out before. And I had lived out my faith. I lived out my faith. But I think he was taking me to a place I'd never been. I know he was. And so that's what I want to share with you a little bit about my journey this morning and just the presence of God and the ministry of God in that situation. When I first tested positive that week, I told you in mid-August, two or three days in, um, you know, you can't help, but your mind is going to go to worst-case scenarios, right? Anybody else? Yes, always. And so I had done that, of course, and pretty much planned my service. And so I, you know, but anyway, I... Um, called my daughter. I had this, this verse came to me that I've always loved, and it's Psalm 8410. It says, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than live in the tent of the wicked. And so I called Lindsay and I said, listen to me. You need, I need you to hear me. And she goes, mom, I said, if this goes south and I don't make it, she, mom, you're fine. And I'm like, I know, but I need to say this. God had placed an urgency on me. And I said, I need to know that somebody's going to communicate this to my grandkids because they're still young enough that they may forget things. And so I need you to say that whatever happens, this is what Granny told me, that better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. And she is in the court of the Lord. And she said, okay, okay, but I really think you're fine. And I'm like, I do too. I do too, but I just need, promise me, did you write it down? And she goes, I wrote it down. I was like, okay. And then, just a few days later, later, there I was on the way to the hospital. But when I was in those 22 days, when I was in some scary and some dark places, that truth sustained me. I would get so worked up, and then I remember, but you believe, you have staked your life on better as one day in his presence than a thousand elsewhere. So why are you acting so scared? And that truth sustained me. And then I thought of Philippians 1.21. You know it. You've heard it. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Truth. That verse came to me. And I prayed about that a lot. And I, I, this, is, this, is, this gets tricky right here. Because there were days where I asked God, please just take me home. I can't even walk. I can't, do, I can't pick up my phone and talk to my family. I can't do anything but lay here and struggle to breathe. Please just take me home. And I prayed that. I genuinely prayed that. But then in the next breath, I would pray, please save me, Lord. Let me live. Let me live. And here's what I want you to know. 
that even in those conflicting moments, Philippians 1.21 didn't stop being true to me because I was in a win-win situation. Because if I live, it's Jesus, it's Christ. But if I die, it's gain. And so that doesn't contradict itself. That's just really where I was. I couldn't lose. And I had such great hope in God, my Savior, which reminded me of another verse I want to share with you. It's Psalms 25.5, and it says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I don't do, I, some of you might do a word of the year. Do y'all choose a word, and that's your word for the year? I honestly have never done it, but this year I did, and my word was hope. And the reason is, not because I want to have it, the reason hope is my word is because I realized through my experience I have it, but I need to live like I have it. I need to live like someone who has hope. Paul says we don't live as people who have no hope. We have all the hope we need. I didn't need more hope. I needed to live like I had it and believe that I had it because I did. So I'm here before you today, obviously well on my way to good health. I've had two heart procedures. I've lost most of my hair. My hands shake and I there's, my leg was numb for the longest time, which made walking challenging, but got there. It's not numb anymore. I'm making great strides. God is healing my body every day a little bit more. Again, I want you to know that I have staked my life on the promises that were right here. I've been studying Hebrews in a Bible study at at work, and it's been on the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11 and 12, if you've ever studied it, and it's just a list by faith, no, by faith, you know, it just goes down different heroes of the faith. This, a couple of weeks ago, we studied Moses, and in Hebrews 11, 27, the verse says, Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And then the next, the next part of the verse says, and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And I know that Moses' perseverance in his faith was critical to that next step for the children of Israel. And so I say that to you because the years of studying God's word and hearing God's word and leaning into his character, understanding who he is, they were really the things that both sustained me but were unfathomable to me. And I know that doesn't make good sense, but... You might say unfathomable. I don't get that part. But y'all, death was on the table for me. And at one point, they thought my left lung was going to collapse. And the fact that I was not put on a ventilator is nothing shy of a modern miracle. And it was my prayer the whole time. In those moments, I had to trust in what I could not see. I absolutely had to believe and walk by faith. Well, I wasn't walking. I was laying. But I was doing it by faith. But I thought of the children of Israel and they came to, they had been allowed to leave Egypt and they came on their long journey and they got down to the Red Sea and there's mountains all around them, the sea on the other side and then the one little passage that was available, Pharaoh and his army were coming after them. So they were literally, Priscilla Shire says, between a rock and a hard spot and they absolutely were. But she also says that they were also positioned for a miracle. And um, I love that part of the story because they go to Moses. They even got snarky with him. And I don't know, as a woman, I identified just slightly. They said, why did you bring us here to die? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? 
And I was like, that is amazing. That sounds so like something I might say. And so uh, he said, listen, you need to stand firm. And in fact, Exodus 14, 14 says, and if you don't have it memorized, I challenge you. And it's easy. You'll be glad. He said to them, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Loved that so much. I had nothing else I could do but be still. But just that memory that the Lord will fight for me. Uh, there were times, because I was so scared that I wanted a plan. I like a plan, you know. Just let me know what we're doing. You don't have to give me every detail, but I don't like surprises. Uh, and I thought of them. They wanted a plan. They absolutely wanted a plan. And if Moses had said, okay, let me just tell you what's fixing to happen here. First, you know that pillar of cloud? That God is in the pillar, pillar of cloud? That it's, the cloud leads us by day and it becomes fire at night and it lights our way so that we can even travel at night and it stays in front of us. Let me tell you what's fixing to happen. It's going to go behind us just momentarily. But that's a good thing because it's going to shed light on us and darkness on the Egyptians. They're going to get confused, but we're going to have light. So that's a good thing. And then, if you think that's great, listen to this one. God's going to cause a mighty wind. He's going to open up the seas and we're going to pass through and it's going to be like dry land. I know that's hard to believe, but that is what's going to happen. And then, once we get on the other side, the, the Egyptians are going to follow us in their chariots. And then he's going to close the sea over them. They're going to drown, but we're going to be on the other side, and we're going to celebrate Miriam even brought her tambourine. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. They would have thought he was insane. They would have thought he was insane. And so he said, stand firm. The Lord is going to fight for you. You need only be still. Wow. So I was very still. And I've learned not to always want that plan. Because the best plan is that the Lord is going to fight for me. And man, did God fight for me and did he develop, develop my faith? So, you know, I already said we're pilgrims. And this world is not our home. And I believe that. But this is where we live, right? This is where we live. And so uh, that poses not a problem, but a challenge for us because my family's here. And I love my family. And when I was laying in that hospital bed thinking, I'm going to leave this world and I'm never going to get to see anybody in my family again, I thought of my sweet husband. We're going to celebrate 46 years. Yes, I was 12 when we got married. <laughs> not really. But we're going to celebrate 46 years in May. And I thought, how will he... How will he learn to live alone? You know, and I put myself in his shoes. How would I have lived? Oh, my goodness. And my heart broke for him, and I just laid there and wept. And then I thought of my kids. My heart ached for our kids. We're all very close. I'm so grateful for that. I love their mates. They all love each other. Our grandkids love each other. And I just am so grateful for our family. And I thought of my kids. I thought their hearts are going to be happy with loss. And, oh, it broke my heart. But, you know, I told you Jim was sick as well. And so our kids had to be our advocates. And, man, did they do a great job. It was the sweetest thing to behold. Lindsay was communicating, and my son, James, was communicating with doctors. And she still hasn't remembered my password, so I can't get on and find out what, what my next report is. But <laughs> in that moment, she didn't forget. And she did such a good job. And... My son would call doctors and talk to them. But one day, Lindsay called me and said, 
are you on the third floor? And I said, yes, I think so. My room number is 306 or something like that. I don't really remember. And she said, are you in the corner room? And I said, I think so, because there's windows on my left and then windows in front of me. And she goes, so what do you see out the left window? And I said, I see county country. And she goes, and the freeway out the, yes, that's what I see. Why? And she goes, because I'm, I figured that was your room. I've been out here counting rooms. And I'm on the top of the parking garage to your left. This is and I'm praying for you. Can you get to the window? And I was so weak, I couldn't get to the window. But just, and it broke my heart. I just lost it. My sweet daughter down there raising her hands toward heaven and me and praying for me. And, but I thought, oh, I'm so sorry. I miss seeing that. But just knowing that that's what she was doing gave me such great hope that things were going to be fine, again, for me to live as Christ and to die as game. And then she told me a story later that was so, so precious. She said, her daughter, who's a teenager, said, would you order me a T-shirt from some company that they love? And so she got online, and she was scrolling through to find the the T-shirt that my granddaughter wanted, and she encountered a sweatshirt that said, heavy on the thank you, Jesus. And she said, I stopped right then and there and ordered it because I knew whatever happened, I needed to be heavy on the thank you, Jesus, whether you came home or whether you went home. And it was hard to hear. Part of me wanted to go, don't you dare be thanking anybody if I die. (laughs) But really and truly, it was so sweet to hear because I thought that's what my grandkids are going to observe is her thing. And it just, it blessed me beyond measure. So my heart was heavy at the thought of not seeing my kids again. And then there was my grandkids. Oh, did I agonize over that. I agonized like crazy, but I also had to thank God for the times we've had and the closeness we've enjoyed. And God just reminded me of the sweetest thing. They are all now the age of accountability, and each one of them has personally accepted Jesus as their Savior. So it would not be goodbye. It would not be I'll never see you again. It would just be a pause until that time that they joined me in glory. So I knew I may not see their faces inside of heaven, but I will see their faces again. And it brought me peace. And so even though I wept, and I did, I also rejoiced. I absolutely rejoiced because I knew at the end of the day, I just needed to be found faithful and be faithful in that situation. Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done all the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Absolutely. And that's where I was, persevering and trying my very best to live and walk by faith in those moments. Faith is to believe the word of God for what we do not see. But here's the reward, is to see and enjoy what we believe. And I realized I have staked my life on these things. And I'm, even though it's hard, I'm seeing and enjoying what I believe being lived out. And it brought me peace like I can't explain. So I cried out to God, I'm human, I didn't, I said, I don't want to be here, I don't like this plan, I'd like to discuss this with you, but I, if I have to do this, help me be a good image bearer for you, and help me bring glory to you. I, I genuinely prayed that prayer, and I made it 95-ish percent of the time, I had my breakdowns, but God was so good to me, even in those, to bring me, I would be in the worst place, and I'd get a a song from a friend. 
and I would just have a little worship time in my bed right there. Or I'd get a text, and um, I'd tease my dear friends. They would get so excited. They told me later, we got a heart from Lisa. We got a heart. That was all I could do. That, that was all the energy I had was to read their deal and just send a heart and reply. And it was so true. And that was such an act of love for them. And also I wanted to just be so grateful that they would send me that message because invariably it was what I needed in that moment. So the righteous shall live by faith, not by circumstances, not by logic, but faith in the Almighty God and His Word. And so that's what I tried to do in those days. And I'm going to close by reminding you, and I know you believe this too, but I believe all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And that's what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. But he uses it to, to rebuke us and to teach us and to correct us and to grow us and to train us. And I realized I was in a training moment. But I also realized he wants us to take the truths that we discover in his word and apply them. And not just say, oh, that was good, and walk on. And I know many times I've thought, oh, that was great. Thank you, Lord. And then close my Bible and walk on. But... My journey on earth wasn't final. That wasn't the end. God still has a plan for my life, and I still have some physical issues that I know God's going to work, either teach me how to live with or work through them. But I know this. He wants me to walk by faith, trusting in what I cannot see, in Him who I cannot see as I go. And so I want to just close today, if you don't mind, with an encouragement for you. And not all about me, and I want to ask you a question. Are you filling your life and your heart and your mind and your homes with God's word and God's promises? Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139 is so amazing. But what that says to me is God has a plan for my life and the days are numbered and ordered. So I can conclude by that that it wasn't my time. You know, it just wasn't my time to go yet. But it was the truth that had filled my life prior to that experience that made that experience different for me and made me come through it a different person. I did not have my Bible with me. And if I had, I couldn't have picked it up. And I was too weak most of the time to pick up my phone and read the Bible on my phone. And so what sustained me in those moments was what I had already memorized and learned and hidden in my heart the stories, the precepts that had been a part of my life for so long. Those were the truths that brought peace to me in that dark place and brought me to the place where I could genuinely say, Lord, I just want to do this well and for your glory. I'm better for this experience. I'm better for it. I hope I never, ever have to do it again. But I am better for it. And I'm convinced that he still has a plan for me. I wouldn't be here if he didn't. And I am letting go with the need for the plan and just walking in it and trusting him. I don't know whether I have one more day, one more week, one more decade. I don't know. It doesn't matter because my life is in his hands and I just want to be found faithful. And my faith was most definitely put to the test. Um, and in James 1, first chapter of James, I think verses 2 and 3, he talks about that your faith will be tested. But let patience and perseverance have its way because it's going to bring you out to a place 
where you're ready to serve me. So I close by saying this, COVID is not my story. It's now part of my story, but it's not my story. And it does not define me. My story is about the faithfulness of a living God. That's my story. He never left me. He never forsook me. He chose to test my faith, but he walked with me every step of the way. And so if I must be defined, it is my great hope that someone would say that Lisa is a woman of God who walks by faith. Well, I think we can all agree that Lisa's story is definitely challenging to us in the importance of memorizing scripture and knowing mm-hmm. God's word and, and even just taking one or two verses and really storing them in your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a challenge for me, actually, after listening to her story is just taking God's word and and really committing it to memory. You know, another thing, too, is she mentioned going through the book of Hebrews, and we titled this Living by Faith. And, you know, a lot of people know They think they know what faith is, but, you know, recently I just finished a Bible study called Kingdom Heroes by Tony Evans, and it was all about the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 that Lisa mentions. But one of the definitions that he gave of faith is simply living like God is telling the truth. And it's just so easy, you know, you just, oh, okay, if I live like God's telling the truth, you know, that I believe his word, that's faith. And, And that's what Lisa did. She really... I just loved the visual of God's word pouring into her heart and her mind because she had filled her heart and her mind with it. Absolutely. And of course, I loved Lisa's story because, as all of you know, I lost my father to COVID back in December of 2020. And just hearing the first part Mm -hmm. of her story brought back so many memories. It was definitely my dad's story as well with double pneumonia and being in the ICU and all the families that just had to send loved ones Mm -hmm. alone into the Mm -hmm. hospital, Um, my heart goes out to you. But again, just the importance of scripture and how she wrapped it up in the end, just saying that what sustained me was everything that she had already learned, everything that was poured into her. She didn't have her Bible with her. Mm -hmm. She couldn't even pick up her Bible if she had. And so she was just able to bring in what was in her heart that had had been laid there before. And so that was a challenge mm-hmm. just to, to get in God's word. But also what reminded me of my father was her desire to leave a legacy to her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I love that, how mm-hmm. she called her daughter and said, here's what I want them to know. And <laughs> yes. then just reminiscing the whole, my grandchildren all know the Lord. Yes. And isn't that the ultimate goal for all of our yes. families? It's not like, oh, they're all married Mm -hmm. or they've all graduated from high school. No, they all know the Lord. And so I was challenged by what legacy am I leaving Mm -hmm. to my children? Mm -hmm. What legacy will I leave if the Lord uh, grants us with grandchildren? Yes. That's so great. You know, and I hear this and you, some of you listening may be like me where you're like, I really stink at memorizing scripture. Right. Like I can remember from when I was really little, you know, and we would memorize, but even as we're sitting here talking, what's come to my mind is that we keep worship music on all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, so much of worship music is just scripture. And I listen, I can memorize some words to songs. <laughs> That's right. I can That's I right. can go back way back and know lyrics to songs. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up mm-hmm. about because... That's where it comes from. You know, as she was talking about better is one day in your courts and thousand elsewhere, I was like, better oh, well, then I'm thinking of Chris Tomlin's song. You know, like, <laughs> all of these I put to song. And so Absolutely. if you're like me and you caught yourself for a second going, 
I'm not great at this. If you've never listened to worship music, there's a slew of it out there. That's that's amazing. Um, And then it's a very easy way for a brain like Mm -hmm. me to remember. Mm -hmm. So we are so thankful to Lisa for sharing this. Like Lindy said, so many people have have walked this story personally in some capacity or another, whether it was a family member or yourself. And so I'm so thankful for her for putting words to an experience that maybe Mm -hmm. we watched from afar. Mm -hmm. And we want you all to know that... This is our second to last new story for the summer. We are going to take a six-week vacation, which we are very excited about. (laughs) And we are going to send you some great stories, some listener favorites, some older stories that we're calling hidden gems, that if you haven't been a listener for long, we're going way back in our story archives of podcasts to share with you. And so we hope that you really enjoy the next six weeks. If you want new content, then Patreon is the place to go. We're going to have new content on Patreon the entire summer. And so you can look in the show notes to join. And so thanks so much for listening and have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.